Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have The Suicide Squad starring Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman, and Viola Davis. Written and directed by James Gunn. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time to start a new film review cast. Getting into some more films of 2021. It seems like we got a new huge release every single week. Uh, you know, kind of that stockpile from the summer. The stuff that got delayed that's finally coming out now. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff coming out October, November. Like, I almost feel bad for these movies. And maybe we'll talk about with this one why it didn't do as maybe amazing as they hoped is... There's another big movie coming out the next week. Mm-hmm. So yep. your window is seven days. Short. Short. And then if you have a streaming component to that too, you're also kind of screwed. So we talked about that with the Warner Brothers announcement of doing their entire slate mm-hmm. on the streaming and how that seemed to be a challenge to monetize the way traditional film would go. And in some regards, it saved the bacon for some of these that haven't opened to 120 million, like I think some of them had projected. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more difficult to count because if you look at the cost for the streaming services, those numbers won't roll until the beginning of the next month. And so this is an August uh, 11th. Yeah. release or and, August 12th release, right? And they've been really closed-lipped on their books too. You know what I mean? Like not yeah. really saying like equation-wise what that equals, whereas Disney Plus is... I mean, we'll get into all of that because I, I have an interesting kind of theory on Warner Brothers and this whole HBO Max slate thing. So, Well, just well, we'll get into it for sure, but I just want to make this statement. Yeah. I think Warner Brothers, although presented as noble in their efforts to protect the film industry Mm -hmm. has to look at two things, this business model and the slate of films that they've released up to this point and basically say, God, this has not been a banner year for us. Yeah, no, I'm going to ask you, this is a hard question Mm -hmm. just off the top of your head. Okay. And maybe I'll actually, let me save it till the end because I don't want to give anything away before we do our rankings. All right. Sounds, sounds good. So we're called a tease. Yeah. We're starting out here. We got some starting out with some hot Brown and then we got some liquid gold here. (laughs) Uh, this one's first call. Uh, this is a new one, uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So, mm-hmm. uh, cheers to you! Cheers. Uh, I found this one to be a little, a little smooth on 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 the back end. What do you think? Oh yeah, real smooth. Actually, the fronts got the punch, and the backs got the pillow. Oh, I, I smell like oak or something. I've got vanilla there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, it goes pretty well with the with, with the coffee. <laughs> vanilla, oh yeah, vanilla pepper and a little bit of what is that on the back end? Is that? Yeah, I got the pet the peppery. Yeah, I can't quite get that yet on that back end. God, well, that might even be a bit of chocolate. Is that man? Do I really getting that vanilla chocolate? There you go. It's like a let's cancel each other out. That doesn't you can't do that. Mm-hmm. We have to have a few. Well, we'll figure it out, but yeah. let's get this started with our flight question. All righty, so... 
Here's our first time we get to talk about Mr. James Gunn. Uh, it's not in his Marvel iterations or his pre-Marvel uh, Super and Slither days, uh, but it's here in the Suicide Squad. So uh, I think you know what, what, where we're ever gonna we're gonna line up on our ratings for the film. Uh, I think Warner Brothers had a good relationship working with Mr. Gunn during this film. They kind of one writer, Matt. Oh my God, <laughs> that's kind of a little different compared yeah. to weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, one writer. It seems like they let him do what he wanted to do and didn't really interfere like they did the last time they did Suicide Squad. Right. So I think they have him in uh, in their bullpen and want to do another project with him somewhere down the line. So my flight question to you is. Whatever that project may be, what do you think would be the most appropriate property for Mr. Gunn to tackle from the DC bullpen? Okay, clearly it's a team element. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I think he can handle a standalone single character just fine, but he does really seem to excel with the team element, and I'm talking about Guardians and then mm-hmm. what this film will be and going forward with something else. So with that... Uh, you know, there's some DC teams out there that I think we can tackle, but the one that they haven't that I think has some legs with a lot of unknown is Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the Harley Quinn one that came out. Not I'm the talk- one we got, yeah. I'm talking Chuck Dixon mm-hmm. era Birds of Prey. Yeah. Huntress, Oracle, Batgirl. Um, I think one of the things that when you create a team element is essential is each one of the characters having a role that is different than the others so you don't get blending and then it's easier just to identify particular characters and then you get better conflict and growth. It's in a world that I think has buy-in to begin with, number one, which would be Batman's world, Mm -hmm. which then gives you access to all of the cadre of Batman villains that are Batman bigs and then Batman not quite so bigs, Mm -hmm. which is a huge, huge plethora of choices or quite a cornucopia of ways you can go with that from tech to the forces of the night to, you know, a, a team driven. And I know we've seen a birds of prey, but I don't want, I don't want another Harley Quinn vehicle. Mm -hmm. Like I need her not to be in this. Yeah, I'm about up to here with her. Mm -hmm. But I think if they go back and look at that, I think it's about a three to four year run that Dixon had with DC, Chuck Dixon had with DC. There's plenty of uh, source material that they can adapt, and that's what I'm going to go with. Great choice. Thanks. Um, I want to say that they are making a Birds of Prey sequel, and I think, may, I, I don't know if they, if Batgirl or someone, that some of these names were floated around uh, for, for a sequel in development or, or anything, but I want to see some of your characters. And you're right. I mean, it's Batman light. Uh, yeah. with, with the characters this film's kind of batman light as well you know what i mean a lot of these people come from that world that universe mm-hmm. corto maltese is actually we'll tie it's batman 89 that's uh, the first time i ever heard that name mentioned but great choice my choice you mentioned it just before we hit record on this thing i think he'd be perfect to handle a, a teen titans mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. I think James Gunn's strength for the most part when doing these big ensemble things is making us care about kind of like really kind of stupid people. You know what I mean? (laughs) And we've had our jokes about the Teen Titans and Cyborg and Stargirl and the raccoon, whatever that person is. Right. Something. It's kind of ridiculous. And they're the sidekicks. Remember we talked in glass about they're going to do the Teen Titans version of the sidekicks with Dunn Jr. and whatnot. (laughs) Yes. And Mama Glass and everything. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. 
But I think he could do that. If he could, I think the biggest buy-in for me with Guardians, whenever I saw that concept art of what they were going to do, I was like, they got a talking raccoon, you got this tree, you got mm-hmm. these characters that I've never even really heard before because I never read Guardians. I didn't know those people. But when you got into the film, he like found ways to get us like on board with them. And so I think he's good at that. So if you could do that with the Titans and make it interesting for me, because like I said, it's sidekick light. The B team. Oh, man, D team, if we're being kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Robin's that, your big star there, right? Exactly. I think that could be pretty good. And and maybe kind of, it's, again, in a bit of a Batman uh, umbrella. I think it could work pretty well. One of the things the Titans offers, it's a great choice, mm-hmm. is with Robin, again, entrance into Batman's world. But with Donna Troy, if mm-hmm. you choose to use her, then you get, it's not a great group, but you do get the Wonder Woman tie as well. So now you have... Mm-hmm built in the post credit scene. It may not have to be a post credit scene, but the potential for franchise ability and story going forward by teasing out an appearance by those other ones being Batman and or Wonder Woman mm-hmm. in there. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there's been ties in the Titans with some Superman characters as well, right? Yeah. Um, Power Girl, maybe, um, maybe Superboy. You want to be too careful here because you don't want to make it too powerful. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. That's a good choice. Excellent. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm very... Even I think he would be very suited to, like, handle just even a cosmic film. Like, if he... He could be do good at, like, Green Lantern, I think. If he wants to do Green Lantern core with all the different... La- I think that would be a, a good one as well. Yeah. He, he's just good in space, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, cheers. Oh, what glass of cheers to you. Cheers to you. Um, I, I'm excited. So let's just dump right in head first to our review breakdown of the Suicide Squad. Yo, is this a dog? What? Is, is this thing a dog? A, a dog? Yes. What What kind, kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I don't know. I'm not familiar with all the breeds. I'm going to go with Afghan Hound. This when is an Afghan Hound, thumbs. Oh, my God. Is it a werewolf? I've wanted to meet a werewolf forever. Yo, they turned me into a werewolf? Right. Yo, let me out. I do not fuck a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know, we got him to, I think, he's agreed to do this. Whatever the case, just everyone get in a position to drop. <laughs> Stupid weasel character. But one thing I can appreciate about it is... Gun right away in the beginning just kind of goes for the absurdity. Here he's plucking out another F-list character just kind of uh, for fodder here. And that's kind of the whole, this whole first team, we'll call them alpha team. They're all fodder. I mean, I, I guess I was a bit surprised. You know, we, we Michael Rooker, good to see him. We have a, a James Gunn friend. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he's been in all of his movies, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh here he is showing up as Savant, who's really good with a uh, wall ball. <laughs> Ricochets. He's really good at Ricochet. Uh, he should have been in uh, Ricochet with uh, John Lithgow and Denzel Washington. When's the last time you saw that movie? 1992. <laughs> a long time when ago. it came out in the theater one time. Uh, so we're setting up this new team with some some of the older people. Uh, Kinnaman's back as Rick Flagg. We got uh, Robbie back as Harley Quinn. Uh, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. But we got some new people. TDK. Uh, I'm going to need some help with the names. Who's Pete? John, da- John Sen is the peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, Pete Davidson is um, Dick Hurts. Oh, I'm talking about, yeah, 
Uh, Idris Alba is Bloodsport. I'm just talking about this this initial group here that's going going on the beach. So then you have the, oh, yeah. the javelin guy, and then there's another girl, and then this weasel here. Yeah, and then they kind of go in, and he sold them out, and then they all just get killed except for the the two, the Kinnaman and, and Margot Robbie. That was, I was like this. I was like this is going to be this kind of movie. I was like I'd been told or had read it was like they're just going to kill off whoever and whenever. And to that, I mean, you're not, you're not, a, don't get attached to the characters and not a lot to get attached to at the beginning, but I kind of like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I kind of like that we're going in and just anyone could get, just bite the bullet in a, in a second and gruesomely bite the bullet. This, the gore factor is certainly notched up in this one compared to the last one. So I want to ask you a question about that. Mm-hmm. If in the opening sequence, four or five of the Suicide Squad Team B. Yeah end up getting smoked. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you've clearly established an environment where no one's safe. Yeah. The question I have though is if no one is safe and anybody can bite the bullet mm-hmm. at any time, do you get into a little bit of a sticky situation because you might undo or create in the audience a lack of willingness to invest much in the character, not only because it's a D-lister, but because they might not be around long, and thus you just get a little bit of bland, general rando bad guy getting killed. Oh, the, at the beginning here, for sure. I think the group that they establish as the new Suicide Squad, I think, gets a little bit more due. They get a little bit more time to explain a few things, some little motivations, how they grew up, whatever. Uh, so with this group, absolutely not. I think it's like we're wiping them out. Don't get attached. But yeah, I think there is the buy-in. But I don't. I don't know if that's the audience's responsibility to buy in. But I think it's Gunn's responsibility to make us care about these people and whether or not he does a good job uh, at doing that with with some of them. But I don't know. What do you think of the? To- I mean, let's. Con- I'm just like I really tried to like kind of not compare this with Guardians, even though there's some very similar comparisons. I really tried to kind of stack this up against what we got the last time. Go back to March where it was just awful. Yeah. Uh, and I have a great analogy to compare both iterations of this. So in that one, we get hot topic, neon vomit, mm-hmm. enchantress nonsense. Yeah. And in here we, we're, we kind of pared it down and it's almost like a combat movie here at the beginning. It's a little bit different. I like, I don't want to say it's dirty dozen, but it feels more that than what the last one was doing. Great description. You're right. What do you think? Is this, is this a better tone for you compared to the last time out? I like that. It's at least a little bit more colorful. I mean, it would, the last one was, even though it was neons, it was still drab as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tone wise for a portion. Mm -hmm. Um, the sort of irreverent humor that they find in the violence is an appropriate way to go about disposing of these people. Mm-hmm. Slightly comedic because it is pretty violent and there's a lot of like what we bitched about in Superman mm-hmm. was building after building coming down with minimal collateral damage. This is just the opposite. Yeah, There's plenty of collateral damage that could certainly be off-putting. Mm-hmm. It is lightened a bit with some of the one-offs and the one-liners as these people get their eulogy in real time from another member or the sort of funny way that they go out. For me, though, mm-hmm. that's going to get old at about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, opening scene, though, mm-hmm. sets a tone, and I'm ready for 
what's ultimately going to be a very exhaustive experience. But yeah, I'm not exhausted yet because I'm nice and fresh. I got to tell you too, I'm digging the violence because you know if you're going to go there, I mean, this film, the last one, the PG-13 version, tried alluded to try be as violent as as this one, but like it's restricted in its rating. So here we're in R. Go for it. Blow this guy's face. This one gets ripped in half. I was actually kind of shocked that the original boomerang that he got killed off. I was like, oh, I thought he was going to be around. Yep. And he kind of got like palm tree shrapnel blown Mm -hmm. up. But yeah, he had a pretty gruesome one there. But we're left with two on the beach. And then we spend the rest of the time kind of establishing the new team that's settling up on the other side. of Amanda Waller's plan B. Mm -hmm. Uh and I kind of like how they establish this group compared to the last. Remember, remember the title card, uh, baseball card stat sheet we got last time. Like I like how they kind of do it through the prison this time, and we kind of here's here's what you want. If you don't want your daughter ending up in this prison, you need to follow my rule. Like Amanda Waller is easily just the worst person imaginable. Mm-hmm. She's always blackmailing all these people and to do the most awful things for her at her own bidding. Yeah. Uh, but then we we establish them within the the confines of, of this prison. Bell Bell Reeve here. I think this is the same prison that we were at in the in the last one. Sure. What do you? Well, let's just talk about the new team. What what what, what do we think of? There's some highlights. Or there, to, to me, there's definitely some. Just like dear God, like we spend too much time with some of these people. But I think I kind of like Idris Elba in the lead role. I I'm a fan of him. Like first of all. Uh, since uh, Luther. Did you ever see Luther? Mm, we watched a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. And, you know, just him showing up in just different roles here and there. Um, I like his involvement here. I don't know which way I want to go with Mr. John Cena. There's things that I, I like the potential of what that character could be. I don't know if he's perfect for it. Uh, I heard Dave, Dave Batista wanted to play that part. And he couldn't because he was doing another 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 film, Army of the Dead, with uh, Zack Snyder. Uh, <laughs> but so I don't know that. And then we have uh, the polka dot man. Yeah. And then we have Ratcatcher two. Daniela Melikor. Am I forgetting somebody? At the oh, and King Shark. Yeah. Mr. Sylvester Stallone, the Groot of the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's funny that you drew the the corollary between Guardians because. The one that I kept thinking was Mystery Men. Mm. Um, for all the good and bad of Mystery Men. Yeah. Some of that is, I mean, you're trying to tell me that the polka dot man and the spleen or the blue Raja pretty, and yeah. the rat catcher are not the shoveler and the peacemaker. They're, it was weird, but. Well, it's weird that the polka dot man stands out to me because he's ridiculous, first of all. I like the guy playing. He's the guy from Prisoners, remember? The guy with all the snakes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's cool to see him here, but that that's a real villain. I mean, when you really unpeel the layers of DC's just villainy, you'll get to these guys. And to Gunn's credit for, like, I'm going to pick these players versus some, like, more known people like uh, Poison Ivy or uh, Mr. Freeze, mm-hmm. which were some names kind of tossed around to, to throw in here. Mm-hmm. Man Bat was one of them. And Batmite, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. <laughs> Uh, but I kind of it's it's so ridiculous that it almost could kind of work. Uh, but yeah, so like that's how I feel about those two: Ratcatcher two, uh, Polka Dot Man, and King Shark. I don't know. I don't know where I line up. I know why we we need we need the muscle, right? King, yeah, King Shark's the muscle. Sure. Yeah. When you cast Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, and John Cena, you know, unless you're going to pull a Hitchcock, that those three are going to make it. Yeah. And this is a Margot Robbie vehicle again, and we'll get to her specifically because I want to spend some time talking about yeah. the over-Harleyfication of Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. 
which has just sort of devolved into like Brooklyn accent. Yeah. It's getting like that character needs to be retired immediately. But the John Cena character, which is the one you asked about the peacemaker is interesting enough looking because he's so absurd with the toilet seat on his head. (laughs) But you know, John Cena did not have what I would say a banner month prior to this release. And there's a lot of people, including myself that are pretty off put by him right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It works because he's going to end up being the villain in this or Mm -hmm. one of the villains. Yeah. But when you have, okay, so this is the point I wanted to make earlier and I didn't get to. Mm -hmm. When you have as many colorful characters on the screen as you do, Mm -hmm. what you start to get, if you're not careful, is a game of one-upsmanship. Yeah. That's why for me, Idris Elba and Rick Flagg, Mm -hmm. and you know, we both like Joel Kinnaman and we could get into the whole breakdown of his career, but those two guys are better because they're so understated. Can I say, I think this film actually does Kinnaman a little bit better justice than the last time out. Okay, I'll to that. I felt, I was like, you got the shorthand last time because that movie Mm -hmm. sucked. Mm -hmm. And, but I was like, I I feel like they kind of figured your character out and then they do away with you. Yeah, yeah, right. About the time they figure him out is about the time that he gets killed. Yeah. So who's a bigger presence on screen? Mm -hmm. Nananwe, that's King Shark, Peacemaker, Margot Robbie, or the understated, but because he pukes up dots, Captain Spot or whatever the hell that guy's name Mm -hmm. is. They're all battling for each other, and none of those four are the brains behind the operation. Mm -hmm. The A-team's a great example. Yeah. Mr. T in the A-Team was the most interesting looking of those characters. Mm-hmm. But he was not... He wasn't the leader. The strategy yeah, behind yeah. that. What ends up happening is anytime Peacemaker or Nonway or Harley Quinn or Polka Dot Man speak is they take all of the attention over what the story is going to be driven by. That is Flag or um, Bloodshot. Yeah. Alba. It'll just that one, yeah. And distract you to the point that it became very laborious for me to grind through another stupid line of dialogue from particularly and specifically Quinn. Yeah. She, to me, Mm -hmm. she's a huge, and I know she's the marquee. She's the big name. She's the character that we all love. She is an absolute thief and should be thrown in jail for what she steals from the rest of this film. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's Margot Robbie's fault because you know she's playing into the hands of the popularity of this character. Right. I'm still a huge fan of hers. I shouldn't say, okay, I'm with you. I like Robbie too, but okay, so Quinn. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I think what Warner Brothers has figured out, because this is her third time playing the character, there's obviously uh, uh, an attraction mm-hmm. and a like by film-going audiences of this mm-hmm. character. So they're doing the thing that kind of drives me crazy when they like, this is like, we need more. Everyone like Jack Sparrow the first time out. We need more of that. And then it gets more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It gets more elaborate as the series goes on. So by the time Jack Sparrow gets to that world's end, I'm fucking done with him. You're in the same boat right here. You like, got it. It's like it yes. was pretty good in Suicide Squad. We did. We liked it in Birds of Prey. And now here it's like, OK, there's nothing really. It's more of the same. It's more of that. It's more like you said, the Brooklyn accent, that coffee talk. She's just being in Goodfellas, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Lorraine Bracco and Goodfellas. Uh, so, yeah, I think and I think they they just do too, too much of it. But then she's also, she's top build, you know what I mean? Great. So uh, I, I do agree with you. That is part of the problem uh, w- with, with that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. 
when they assembled this team, I think that the muscle, the thumper, the bruiser is a necessary component. Mm-hmm. In this team, mm-hmm. who is the bruiser? Well, I would say King Shark because he's bigger than all of them, but Cena's also a little bit muscly bruiser. I would want to say Elba, uh, Idris Elba's a little bit of that as well. So, like, to me, Idris Elba, Cena, and Kinnaman are all a little bit of the same. And they even joke about that, too. He's like, he he, he shoots, he doesn't miss with the target. He's like, he does the same yeah. thing as me. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like they did enough to kind of differentiate those two. Uh, Idris Elba's essentially playing the Will Smith character 2.0 here. Yeah. He's got his own the daughter issues. She's going to go to prison and this and that. So they're kind of doing that character again here as kind of the the lead center point here with the team until Quinn's kind of, you know, getting captured and whatnot. So I agree with you on the bruiser piece. Okay. Nanonwe, mm-hmm. I'd love to just say his name because it's so weird. And being, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's funny. Yeah. He's very Groot. He's, he's uh, sympathetic with his little intellect. He's just like Groot, you know what I mean? Yes. Same Groot. You know, exactly. Like, and, and, but when you need him to like show up and, rip a guy in half he'll do that mightily <laughs> and to double down on that yeah i think he's the best character in this film mm-hmm. however when it's stallone that's playing him mm-hmm. and cena that's cast as the peacemaker mm-hmm. you don't cast stallone in a movie where he's going to play um i mean they have but it didn't work romantic lead mm-hmm when you cast Cena and you have to play in the same space that the rock plays in yeah, a similar, similar background, Mm -hmm. no one's going to look at Cena and think marksman. Mm -hmm. That's what Alba was. And he looks more like a marksman. Oh yeah, absolutely. So who's the bruiser? Who's the strategist? Who's the marksman? And by the time all of that's finished, you said it so well, Mm -hmm. Alba, Cena and Nanonwe all end up being the same character. Mm-hmm. And the difference outside of that is, is the, we've got Quinn. Well, the difference also is the visual. I mean, they all kind of have their own look. And Nanonwe's mm-hmm. the most becoming of the three. He mm-hmm. looks the coolest. Yeah. So then you get Quinn, who's just doing zany Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And then you get Flag, who should be the leader. But the problem is, he's doing the same thing that Waller is. And by the time it's all done, yeah. the only difference we have, and this goes back to what we said at the very beginning for me, yeah. is the way you differentiate them is by the way they look. Mm-hmm. And here's the one who's the most interesting. And it's one we've spoken the least about for me. Right. Catcher. <laughs> no, she's okay. I was going, yeah, I'll was, give you that. Okay. She's okay. This, the polka dot man, yeah. like that power stupid, but it is fucking trouble, man. Yeah. It's, it's pretty well when he did it, super the, powerful. When he did it the first time on that, like guard stand and it just like eviscerated it. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, I like his getup too. It's, I do too. It's ridiculous. He looks ridiculous. He's literally the spleen yeah. from Mystery Men, mm-hmm. but OP, overpowered, big time. And when he has to puke out the intergalactic virus that he has or it's going to kill him, it's sort of funny. But then you come to realize, like, man, does this dude get these bulbous protrusions on his body of intergalactic death that he has to puke out? And then what kind of hell is this dude in? Let's talk about some of their backstories, because while we're tiddling around in the jungle here, we learn a little bit more about some of these people. Not a peacemaker, not a whole lot, actually. What do you think of his polka dot man's little origin thing, that his mom was a Star Labs employee working with Miles Dyson and (laughs) experimented on her cadre of 
children and mm-hmm. to make them super metahumans. Oh God, puke <laughs> metahumans. I know. Uh, and then created. That's pretty. That's pretty dark. And I yes. kind of like that she kept showing up the visage of this Oedipus, this complex. It reminded me a lot of Carrie, actually. Oh, great. Yeah, Good I catch. Just kept yes. Pick, 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 like, there's Margaret White right there. And mm-hmm. like, I see her in all my antagonists and that's how I deal with them. Well, yeah. Margaret White, Carrie White and his mom are the, everything that he fights is his mother. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite character in the story. Maybe because he's understated, so I was finally able to like let my hair down and relax a little bit with him. I don't mm-hmm. have much hair to let down, but <laughs> yeah, I, I do. But you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, and his origin story is really, really good. Then what about the uh, Ratcatcher two? I like how they said we couldn't get us Ratcatcher one, or like he died, and so we kind of find out they're these just kind of vagrants uh, wandering the city. The, he's got this this rat stick, Taika Waititi. He's got this rat stick that like the rats will come and like do their bidding. But he's a heroin addict mm-hmm. and dies of an overdose. But he's taught his daughter with very little, you can do quite a lot. And mm-hmm. these things, if the rats have humanity, I think rats are disgusting, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm Idris Elba in this movie where he's just like, oh, my God, get that thing out of here. Uh, but they, uh, I think I think she's got a, kind of a nice sentimentality, too. I kind of like that she's very almost like narcoleptic, too tired the whole time mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. wake up she doesn't even know she's about to be eaten they're like you gotta wake up or like i'm not ready for that or this like so i thought those were some interesting additions to to the the show here i love the moment with her and her father mm-hmm. on the top of that building very mm-hmm. batman-esque mm-hmm. but that's t- at the end of the movie right yeah, yeah where he kind of explains mm-hmm. the ethos of the character that he's trying to give to his daughter yeah she's 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 pretty outstanding in this mm-hmm. For what's essentially a pretty ridiculous power, we're squirrel girling this. Now let's talk about one sequence because you know we talked about the one-upsmanship. I don't know why this scene kind of reminded it reminded me of Predator when they take down that compound at the beginning. But I kind of liked this kind of, and maybe the film maybe could have used a little bit more of it. Just kind of this cadre of competition between Cena and uh, uh, Idris Elba. They're just really good at killing people mm-hmm. and. They're like doing this, they're doing that. It's almost like they're keeping score and like that one doesn't count and then he explodes. But in that, we just see the efficiency of their killing, like the, whether it's a bow and arrow. I like when Idris uh, shot like a fan and it went into the tub and electrocuted that guy. There's some kind of ingenuity there. And then we find out that they're at like at a safe gorilla base and they just kill the good guys. They just killed the, all like the good team and they see Kinnaman in there. He's just having coffee, but they're so efficient and stealthy about it that they didn't even know their shoot first acts ask questions later yeah it's fun to watch Mm -hmm. and how effective they are at killing i would argue it doesn't play out to much significance the rest of the film other than creating a natural rivalry between the two where i really wanted that to go was quill and thor Mm -hmm. as guardians of the galaxy sure you're the leader yeah right that's where i wanted that to go now those two are going to square off and we'll get um, a resolution to that as the film concludes, but for a three to four minute sequence that is just loaded with effectiveness and killing, I don't think that played out to any significance the rest of the film, other than they just have a couple of ugly lines they throw at each other's way. I think we needed it like a, like another time or like at least one more time, or just some other sequence of, of something. Agreed. Uh, one other thing, and then we'll get into what we call the plot of this film. Uh, what did you think? Okay, so Amanda Waller and her operation, 
I kind of liked how a little tongue in cheek the operation was. It's almost like they had like a cadre of like a gambling. a command center. Oh, yeah. oh, the gambling! I love the gambling. It was. It reminded me of. Uh, I don't love this film, but it reminded me of uh, Cabin in the Woods. You remember when they're betting right. on what the fuck's gonna come out of the the woodwork? Yeah, it reminded me of like that. Yeah. Uh, and they're pretty tongue in cheek and, and, you know, Waller's got her briefcase, her escape from New York, uh, exploding, you know, head, head thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, they're playing it a little bit more for laughs, but I was a little confused. I actually had to watch this film twice because I had to kind of figure out, I was like, what the hell is going on here in Corto Maltese? So the first time Matt, that I heard Corto Maltese, that's actually, uh, the Vicky Vale's time magazine photo spread that she shows, uh, in Batman 89. Oh, wow. That's uh, there's like a guy in like a coffin and it's the Corto Maltese massacre. And I was, so when they picked that, I was like, look at them going to the, mm-hmm. to the depths for a new location. Mm-hmm. Okay. So hmm. good catch. The, yeah. The plot of this film is they've project starfish is this extraterrestrial thing that they're experimenting on in this silo called Jotunheim. Yep. What is this Thor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, the Corto Maltese government is, experimenting here and then but their plans aren't to unleash this thing but rather to use this as like a harbinger of doom that way they take this small nation seriously in the affairs of the world yeah uh and then we get into this other so el presidente son or not the the general or i I don't know who this other guy was the one that has the fling with harley is he the president Mm -hmm. because then the other guy's like the general right? right It's like, they, they said I need to marry, and so he, like, starts this thing, and, like, part of me was like, I was like, is he just doing that just to kind of, like, capture her? Like, I, I couldn't, I, is he really into her? But she turns the tables on him anyway and just blows him away. What did you think of all that? I know we're kind of up to here with Quinn, but what do you kind of think of this kind of, you know, trying to, like, make her a paramour to, 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 this, to this guy here? I think that was a better approach than had they introduced Starro the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it got a bit murky when Starro the Conqueror and his starfish acolytes, which is a really popular DC comic, the starfish that jump on the people's faces and mind control them is not something that's brand new. Mm-hmm. And as preposterous as it seems, yeah. is a wildly read part of JLA revision. I think, back so, to... It's Gardner Fox created him. Right. That's a... Like, that's a that's a legit villain as much as no, it wouldn't he, seem to be. It is. He is. My big problem with Starro later in the thing is kind of what happened the last time we did Suicide Squad was these films don't stay in their lane. It's like you have a mercenary team. I'd like to see you go up against like a mercenary villain. Like it became yes. a sky creature again. Yes. I don't know why this keeps happening. Good. We're going to get to that. Black Widow. Uh, the suicide, uh, regular right. Suicide Squad, Snyder League, like we just get, I don't know why the note at the 11th hour is like, you got to make it this huge finale. I know we differ a little bit on Nolan's Dark Knight, but you know how refreshing mm-hmm. that is when mm-hmm. it's just, no, I'm with you there. Two ferry boats. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it's yes. so simple. Right. And then you get this and it's just this fucking starfish kaijuing the city. And I'm like, is this a Superman movie? Cause mm-hmm. okay, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. No, these are humans kind of at the end of the day with that are good at like killing people. Okay. So you are right around with the point I wanted to make here. Go ahead. Is this a Superman movie? Probably, no, no, it's not. So when you take this, Oh, trying to find Palestinian light 
group that's trying to establish themselves in the world order of players. That reminded me of Latveria. Well said. Yeah. Then that's enough. What they choose to empower themselves with needs to be a nuclear arsenal, not the confiscation and adulteration, if you will, of other world presence that basically can mind control you like this, that they've taken as a small thing and grown into this large thing. And didn't they do mind control in the last one with the Enchantress? Yes. Yes. Yeah, why are we doing that again? So that was a big jumping off point for me. Here's You hit the other one too that I really wanted from the Suicide Squad. There seems to be uh, some antagonistic feelings between the members on this. And this is common team concept, right? And that's, we don't get along until we have to get along. And then all of our forces join and we each bring our skill set to the table. And we come up with this great strategy that is essentially the well-conceived bank heist idea of strategy to get the money. Absolutely. Now that's smaller than it is taking down some aspiring nation with nuclear power. However, each one of them should rally at the end in the post-second act reversal to start the third act crisis moment. I'm going to do this. You're 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 going to do this. And we're going to get into the impenetrable vault and steal the jewel. Mm-hmm. Now expand that to a superhero trope. And we never get that with the suicide squad because instead of having to strategize and the strategies of being Harley jumping through the eye of the starfish, whatever, It's so big, Mm -hmm. there's no secret piece that you need because here's this Kong-like creature in front of you that's trying to step on you. Just avoid the thing jumping on your face from its armpit and take it down. And that is a galactically huge miss for what the Suicide Squad starts off Mm -hmm. as with Harley and this guy and this burgeoning romance so that he can have himself a first lady and they can legitimize their cause to... Larger other world, cosmic Starro the Conqueror as our weapon. Yeah, too much. <sighs> too, too much. Too much again. It's the lesson of these superhero flicks is it just gets too much. You know, Jesse, it's weird though because it's too much up to the crisis conflict resolution yeah. and then not enough. Mm-hmm. A large creature walking through the city and you just shoot it to death. Is not enough. Well, it's not enough, but it's also none of these characters can fly. Yeah. They have guns, which <laughs> aren't doing shit to this thing. Uh, the shark can go and chomp on it, but he's not going to eat the whole thing. Dare I say Batman on the side of the building trying to take down Doomsday? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know when, when, this, when you're this big and your thing's this big, I don't know how you expect to fight that when you're just a regular dude. Like, Since you guys aren't seeing that, that's <laughs> two inches of Jesse's finger compared to three feet yeah. of his arm held in the air. That's this scale for you all. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe they did that. And Guardians ain't, you know, is privy to that too. They do the same thing in, in those ones where it just gets... A little too fantastical at the end. Ronan and all his skyships and beams falling down from the sky. And Ego, the living the guy's a living planet, for God's sakes. So, okay, so you, yeah, I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about this till you said it. Can I say this? Go ahead, yeah. We had a, a significant discussion about Guardians 2. Mm-hmm. And a lot like Guardians 1 for me, I didn't appreciate that film as much as I did the first time as I did the second time. But more so in 2 than 1. All of that ego father-son stuff works really good between Kurt Russell and uh, Chris Pratt, Pratt, Mm -hmm. Quill and Ego. Until Ego takes on the size of a planet. Mm -hmm. And then 
you get to that thing that really troubles me, and that's the loss of geography and mm. any grounding <laughs> physics that create an environment that's relatable, and it just turns into tumbling through the sky, mm -hmm. fighting larger other world body with your stupid handgun and your knives. Yeah. And that, maybe that's a gun thing. It could be, yeah. I forgot even, you asked me a question and we went off on a 20 minute tangent. So no, I don't know, let's no, get back to the story. <laughs> no, no, we were just talking about the, 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 oh, the, the, the gist arranged of, marriage between the, Quinn and the guy. The gist of the Corto Maltese government and what, what, the, what their, what their, their plans are, but it all kind of goes to hell as it, as it, as it would. And, you know, they kind of come together for a little bit cause they're going to go abduct, uh, the thinker who's kind of able to psychically connect with, uh, the star Starro. And they're going to abduct him so he can get him into into Jodenheim, but not before they get captured. And we get into a nice, interesting, you know, how do we escape from this? And we got to go do this. And Harley has her breakout rescue scene, which I thought was pretty was pretty fun. I was like, but we like I I didn't think Harley needed any more reason for us to like her because they've already done such a good job of doing that prior. You know what I mean? Like spend some time with some of these other characters. Uh, not that I don't appreciate like a good like just a fight of yeah, a good fight yeah. like hallway shootout scene like mm -hmm. I love stuff like that, mm -hmm. but I don't think her character needed it anymore. We don't need to get on her side anymore. Like get us on the side of some of these other characters, uh, so we care about them a little bit more. So I think some of them get a little bit shortchanged when they could, but uh, I do like what they're doing with Rick Flag here. I mean he's he seems more in control than he was the last time. Uh, he seems like he's really trying to stand his own against these guys that are better killers than him. Uh, he's just trying to keep it all together. So what do you think? I think that I'm going to sour mash this again with what should have happened. And mm -hmm. that's instead of the guy trying to seduce Carly Harley into first lady status, mm -hmm. it should be a woman trying to seduce flag as the acolyte of Waller into first man status. Yeah. Then what you also get is one of the things that Margot Robbie presents as a very attractive female is the Marilyn Monroe effect, which mm -hmm. is not quite attainable by any male. Yeah. But an endeavor that many are going to engage in. Yeah. She likes Flag. Mm -hmm. And she's going to mention later in the film that they were friends, but there is, and maybe it's just natural chemistry or it's written in the script, I can't say. There is a river of tension that is flowing gently between the two of them. I'm not going to say this is Mulder and Scully <laughs> raging passion fires that's never um, materialized. But you follow me there, they right? They do look friendly. I did notice that too. I was like, I was like, there's something there. But and then Harley is now put in a position because, like, let's be frank. Like, a big piece of Harley's story is the Joker and the unrequited relationship between the two of them. Yeah. We know Harley in that space. If this woman has hijacked, I use this term lightly, so careful everybody, don't throw your um, iPod device through the wall as I say this. iPod. <laughs> I mean, your, I, your no, uh, podcast device, iPod, whatever. No, that's, wow. That's funny. Um, her lover, yeah. if, he's, if that woman's, then I think you create more of conflict, and that's what we want, right? Just layered complex conflict even in the suicide squad mm -hmm. instead they don't go that way the other thing too that happens is if it's a woman trying to take and marry kinnaman mm -hmm. flag 
then that also is a juxtaposition about the control that Waller has over him. It's just, that's a better entry and it's not quite so on the nose. I mean, they could have done that too because he's abducted, but he's rescued by the guerrilla forces. I mean, they could have right. switched it up. And so I'm saying, they were both captured together yes, on the beach. Yeah, so they, they, they could have gone that route. And Why aren't you and I writing scripts? <laughs> this is becoming a thing. <laughs> Warner Brothers needs to hire us right now. And I'll tell you the first thing I'm not doing, I'm not having a sky monster in the final scene. Oh, that's a deal breaker. You're out. We're Thanks. Gonna, you just shot down our six figure contract. No, we're going to have not a, seven figures. You and I are only six figure guys. Yeah, we're going to have a fight scene in like a six by six foot room. And that's the finale of the movie. <laughs> you and I are the javelin and uh, TDK TDK of the screenwriting know, that world. That wasn't his name. I don't know what his name was. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <The> javelin. <laughs> And whatever that the other girl was, she was like, she pulled that helicopter down with them, blew herself up, blew when, herself she, up. when she did it. So no, I mean, but okay. All kidding aside, it's there. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine that Warner brothers didn't have that discussion. And that's a better story that, cause look, man, mm-hmm. the truth on the suicide squad is their powers are so minimal. It's, the struggle with the bad guy trying to do good that makes them interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you can humanize bad guys, whether it's the dad who goes to terrible things to save his daughter or the mom who is besmirched and the workforce and takes it out on her kids because like what, if you can build it domestically yeah. and ground a person's actions with impossible consequences through an, skyscraper size of conflict in order just to put food on the table, you humanize them. And this thing that we're talking about with Kinnaman versus Harley and the love element does that. They just refuse to do that because it's more fun to watch Harley javelin people in a hallway than it is watch Kinnaman get seduced by whatever woman it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's not his vehicle, Jesse. It's not his vehicle. The scene you're referring to is a scene. I, I did like I did like that sequence, but you're right. If we want to kind of care more about him, even a little bit further, yeah, you can definitely raise the stakes with it with his character and his ever allegiance to Amanda Waller, which I can't I can't buy. You know what I mean? Like this is like the worst boss imaginable. And if any of you are sitting out there like rolling your eyes with God, I wish Matt would shut up about the Joel Kinnaman thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see your shut up of the Joel Kinnaman thing, and I raise you a series called The Killing. If you want to watch an actor who stalled out with immense talent in an X-Files-esque relationship oh, with the co-cop, yeah, it's very X-Files. go watch The Killing. Yeah. And you'll be like, man, we have missed a plethora of opportunities with Joel Kinnaman Robocop. And this is also just bad decision-making because then, like, yeah, we have Robocop. I has on paper should be amazing on the launching pad and shot himself in the foot. That movie's just bad though. I mean, and killed his career. Essentially. Yeah. It's yeah. There was that. And then well, it was, he was in another, maybe it was just RoboCop. No, it's know. that one with Ryan Reynolds, um, safe house. Oh yeah. And that's actually not bad, but that movie didn't, didn't perform the way it should. That's like, but that's a decent film. That's not like a, a his vehicle though. No. RoboCop was his vehicle. That movie should have worked. If RoboCop works, he's Ryan Reynolds in that film. Well, the other the other thing too is, I came because I recently revisited the RoboCop uh, trilogy, uh, one, two, and three, and three is PG thirteen. 
You can't do RoboCop PG-13, people. This is a satirical, no. violent 80s yarn. So that was the other big mistake was it's a PG-13 rope. To make this family-friendly-esque. <laughs> yeah. How, how many parents, this is a side tangent, how many mothers and fathers got tricked into taking their kids to go see RoboCop in 87? And at what point did they realize that this wasn't a kid's movie about a robot policeman is it when the is it Ed two hundred nine just blows that guy away in the boardroom? Like, like that movie seems like a trap. It seems like a going in the summer movie trap for parents. <laughs> well said. And the kids were either like scarred for life or just ate it up, and their care their parents are just like, "Oh, I'll chalk this one up as a loss. I shouldn't have brought them to see this one." <laughs> we need to return to the debaucherous ways of fourteen year old kid with just enough money to do some damage, sneaking his way into an R rated film in the summer. Yeah, God bless that. Well, to, to, not to harken on the... Kinman. But not stealing a porn magazine and giving it to your friend. There you go. Not to harken on the RoboCop with Kinman, but Keaton, Samuel Jackson, Gary Oldman, Jack Earl Haley, and them. What a cast. I mean, yeah. what a disaster. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that movie one of these days. Re, re, remakes that don't work. <laughs> Which Carrie would you choose? To, to watch? As the remake. Isn't there about six carries? But the, the one with uh, Julianne Moore and Chloe Grace Moretz, because what the fuck is that? No, no. And then yeah, they did the TV version. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that, Carrie. We'll, we'll find another one in there that is just just doesn't work. The Total Recall with Colin Farrell, I don't buy that shit either. Uh, Kate, with Kate Beckinsale, but... Okay, Mr. Tangent Guy, get us back on the story. Okay, let's get back to the story. So, okay, the team's together. They've rescued Harley, and it becomes this whole Operation Rescue Harley, but she takes care of herself, but the team's together now. Yeah. So now we're going to use the Thinker to get us into Jotunheim, and we're going to take this thing down. We're going to rubble it, and we're going to get out of here. But this is where everything kind of goes awry. I mean, all sins are revealed, uh, you know, flag... uh, you know, finds out about, you know, what they're really doing here. They're experimenting on women and children and these people. Like, I th- that shot of, I don't know who it was, just some guy from, it's been there for years, and he has, like, no skin on his face. Mm-hmm. It's just like a face, but he's still alive. So this these things latch onto you, very alien-like, mm-hmm. and, like, kind of take over. It's like mind control, like like the Enchantress. <laughs> yeah, they're harvesting something from him. We don't exactly know what, but... Almost we've... like an army. I mean, yeah. Starro has his own minions here. I mean, it seems like he's able to reproduce these little versions at will. Yeah. Uh, but then we kind of find out the the double-cross switcheroo, which is like, what the hell? What the hell's Waller got me doing here? And then Peacemaker's like, well, I'm here to make sure that you stay in line, Flag. So we get... Excuse me. We get that whole thing. And I kind of knew that was going to happen. You know, I didn't trust Cena kind of from the beginning. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> there was just something I was, I was like, I was like, someone's going to turn on, on, on somebody. And it, and it, it was, and it was going to be kind of, kind of this one, but they have a pretty brutal fisticuffs here with kind of just fighting. And I guess I kind of appreciated this too, because Peacemaker is really good at killing people, but he's still just human. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. he has like Captain America level strength. So this kind of seems like an even fight between these two guys as, they're literally just fighting for this data drive and whether you're going to tell the truth or hide the secrets of the Corto Maltese starfish. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, Matt, I was a little shocked when they killed Kinnaman. Like, and, I was too. And the, the, the shard of glass through the heart of that, very Suspiria-like. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, again, I don't get attached because they killed people at will in the opening sequence, but I kind of thought maybe he would have survived, but I was a tad bit shocked at this moment. So I'm going to... 
ask for your help on this mm. because I just didn't give a, na- a damn enough to want to work through all this. Okay. Explain the thinker, starro, data drive, unholy triumvirate <laughs> that this movie hinges upon. Yeah, so the thinker's been down here since the 60s, I imagine, experimenting and learning about this thing. And he's like, he's kind of like in charge of the monster. Uh, but what's on the data drive is like all the tapes and data about all the experiments that they've been doing, like on the people, politicians, women and children. And that's what they don't know about. So isn't it that there was an American component to this experiment? Yes. That they wanted a piece of the research, but let's do it on this remote island. That way we don't do that crazy shit over there. So that's what the, the, the part that they, they, they want to reveal. And that's the part Waller wants. You know what I mean? Like Waller's whole getup in the last one was come save my ass because I'm behind enemy lines. Now it's like, go do my dirty work for me. Like, she sucks. So Waller has <laughs> the intention to destroy that data drive because there is information that is not becoming to the U.S. Yeah. and its involvement in this. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, it's interesting that that's coming up so much. Um We'll talk about this off mic, but mm. old. Yeah. We'll talk about old too. Yeah. I'm sure we'll probably cover that at some point too, but I'm going to talk to you about that. Um, so you mean this, talk about M. Night Shyamalan again? No. <laughs> Did you see it yet? Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. So here's my question. Okay. Does a data drive have the ability to hold a gun? No. Yeah. Can it run? No, it can't do anything. Does it speak? No. Does it have syringes sticking out of its head that make it interesting looking? No. It may as well be a floppy disk. (laughs) Why not make the thinker what they need to get back to Waller? No, he's the data. Instead of the data drive. No, you can do that too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. All right. I've just was making sure that I saw that the same way you did. And I know now that you've seen it twice, God bless you. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Okay. I'm on board with you. Yeah, with so, the early someone I, I saw the story the same way you did. No, yeah, so yeah, the and now it's becoming we got to get this data drive to the right people or this and that, and then it ends up in the hands of Idris Elba, who's just essentially going to use his blackmail. So like, you're not going to screw us again, Waller, kind of thing, because they, they like beat the hell out of her back at the at the thing and kind of take over the command module. So yeah, she's about ready to use her little briefcase of death and blow the heads off all these guys and her gambling crew turn on her. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is a big moment yeah. because they essentially knock the hell out of her and incapacitate her to protect the Suicide Squad. When you incapacitate your boss mm-hmm. and she has the ability to kill you, logically, what's the next step? Well, I don't know. At one point, Death. I, don't, yeah, I don't know why they're not uh, arresting Waller for treason or some Because that's thing. another thing that's really troubling, Jesse. Yeah is when we see the end result of Starro post-Starro, everybody's just back in their console in the office carrying on with business as normal. There's no way yeah, that you Wall- do that to Waller. Yeah, she has like a bag of ice on her head. Yeah. If you put her, like you said it, yeah. if you arrest her and then you put her in prison, yeah. then she's in with the creeps and criminals that she could have destroyed. Yeah. That's a better end. Yeah, you're right. She's among the general population of baddies in Bellevue. Once uh, Bellevue. <laughs> Once a, What's it called? Bellhaven. Bell Reef? What's Bellevue? Is it, that's like the New York upstate like crazy hospital. It's like famous. Oh. It's like famous. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See? All right. I mean Bellhaven. Bell, what is it? Bell Reef? Bell Reef. What the fuck is that? <clears throat> Bellevue. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, they dispose of Waller in the final scenes. They just go about business as usual. It's just like, yeah, block her up. Like, she's already screwed you guys twice right. in these movies. Like, figure that character out because she's the villain more than any of these other people. <laughs> and directly responsible to killing Flag. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Directly responsible. To the point where Flag's like, is like, I can't believe I spent all this time trying to protect this when it's just turning against me. My <sighs> own boss is turning against me. Uh, but I liked the fisticuffs between Kinnaman and Cena. And then, you know, what did you kind of think of just the, like, the, like, I always appreciate that too. When like, like things are getting so crazy, but then they kind of like gun, like put pumps the brakes and like takes us back to like what everyone else is doing. And then we kind of catch up with it. I like that. I did like that too. And kind of the, the planting of the bombs and like, everything's just going to complete hell. Uh, but Starro emerges, it's complete chaos and takes over all the Corto Maltesians. And now the team's got to stand here on, on the ground. It's at this point, like, this is interesting because the last time out with the Suicide Squad, I was like, I was already done like 40 minutes in. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still engaged and it's not tedious. You know what I mean? Like, the 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 soundtrack isn't like as jarring it was the last time. It's at least visually more appealing. I think the characters aren't as hateable as they were the last time out. Uh Killer Croc and Katana, just no nothing people. Like, do you even remember the people of the last El one? Diablo. Him, only him. We remember him. Mm-hmm. Boomerang, we, we don't, we'll, we, we, any of these other ones. So I'm still kind of like into it. It's just, we get to this moment now. We've already talked about it a little bit. It just gets too big for itself. It's just, it should be a smaller finale to take down this militia on Corto Maltese and not a starfish. It turns out it's, it's the squid monster from Watchmen. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, yes. I, I, if this was a Superman film or a Green Lantern film and this is your end antagonist, I'm buying it. Yep. But I'm surprised this didn't even happen in like Wonder Woman 84, which I'd also be saying, what the hell is Wonder Woman going to fight that thing with? Mm-hmm. Lasso one of its legs? <laughs> no, instead she has to lasso uh, Max Lord's foot to renounce his wish. Oh, God. Oh, uh, <laughs> That was awesome. Did you like this more than 84? No? No. Really? No. Ooh. Let's talk about um, Mr. Polka Dot. Yeah. As a guy who's sort of been in the periphery and very quiet and understated with what I would argue seemed to be a very, very big power, he starts to figure it out in this final battle with Starro. Mm-hmm. Two things are happening. Number one is the question you should ask is, are they going to try to save these people that have starfishes on their face? Mm-hmm. In a very suicide fashion, the suicide squad fashion, the answer is no. And anyone that... I don't, uh, I don't know if you can. I mean, if they that... just start killing them. If that guy's face was missing, I think once this thing's on your face, I think it's, it's, too late. I think it's over. Okay, yeah. so everybody that has of the Corto Maltese that has a starfish on their face just becomes fodder. Yeah. And that plays out humorously, and it also is thematically proper with the way the film started, so I'll give them credit there. The second question is, now that this huge thing is walking through the city, the obvious attack is to take away its legs, which would then be five, because this thing has the starfish five legs. Enter Nananwe, who jumps on the thing and starts eating it. Okay, I guess that's a start. It's just a distraction. Yeah. And then you get the spot deciding to really fully immerse us into the power and severity of his cosmic polka dots. Now, that sounds absurd. (laughs) Polka dots? 
But I, I like it. I think it looks cool. When shot out, yeah. they destroy anything they come into contact with, and basically he burns off one of the legs mm-hmm. on Starro. Yeah. And we get this great moment. This pissed me off infinitely. When they killed him? Yes. <laughs> yeah. About the time he starts to matter yeah. is about the time that Starro squashes him. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Mr. Polkadot. Mr. Polkadot, we barely knew you. Yeah. Huge miss. We did barely know you. There's any number of people that they could have. There's, I would argue, there's more play going forward with him than there is Ratcatcher. Yeah. But instead, he bites the dust, and you then have now taken what's one of the strategic elements in this battle with Starro off the playing field, and now you're reduced to javelins and guns and muscles instead of a cosmic power to take down a cosmic ability. Yeah. This is a huge strike. This is 3-2 fastball, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, seventh game of the World Series. You take 92 right up the tailpipe. Yeah. Take it. Don't even swing. Take it. Yeah. Right down the t- right right <laughs> right down Broad Street, man. This is that. More like taking it to the head. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but the, the rats come into the play now here because... She turns I don't think you can say take it up the tailpipe. That's not this kind of show. Yeah, I mean, right down Broad Street. That's a different type of show. <laughs> yeah. She turns on her rat stick, and then the rats from Corto Maltese all convene on the Starro. So if there's strength in numbers here, that mean they overpower the starfish to the point where they just get in and they just start eating him and tearing his ocular, his capillaries, and they just start chewing away. They're really good at chewing is kind of what, what, what's been established. But like you said, you need Quinn to do something. So Quinn with this fucking javelin that's been established in the beginning, mm-hmm. she's got to go in and kind of kill it. But I think the rats kill it more than the javelin does. I mean, yeah. we don't know the significance of the javelin because the guy dies before he can say what it is. Yeah. But this thing dies. They, they, they're they able to kind of save the day, save whatever's left of this, this little nation here. The president's dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Uh, the, all destroyed. All the residents might be dead too if, if the starfishes do indeed kill you. But the squad kind of, they do come together a little bit. I mean, under uh, Idris Elba's tutelage, he kind of gives them some pattern or tells them what to do. It was very Captain America-like. Like, go eat uh, Nanu. You're like, eat. And it is literally Hulk smash. It, was like it is the Avengers, was- a one- the first Avengers film replayed, isn't it? It was a little bit. I, I saw I saw a little bit of, of that sequence there of him just kind of, you know, telling them what to do, giving out commands and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we wrap up like I like I prefaced, you know, uh, Idris Elba was like, well, I don't know when they had time to upload this to some black market drive, but his kill switch. This is going to go uh, public if you screw with us anymore, Waller. Which again, I'm asking, how come that woman's not in jail, <laughs> yeah. in prison, yeah. and she's still going to be able to like hire people to do her bidding, her horrible deal? What is it like? You got to go do a suicide mission, and I put ten years off your triple life sentence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's a shit deal that she's giving out. I feel like they should lean into like because she is so hateable, like for like what she wants, and it's always to do her bidding. I don't know why they don't play into her as the villain a little bit more than these Starro and the Enchantress. You know what I mean? Like, your own boss is your own worst enemy. (laughs) Well, you have it. Again, some choices that they make that might prevent that from happening. Look, I'm not going to be surprised if in the next couple days, and it might have already been announced and I didn't see it, that Suicide Squad 3 is in development. Um, 
headlined by none other than Margot Robbie again, I'm sure. But <laughs> if they have leverage on her now, which is this data drive, and I have kill codes that if you do me in, this thing's going to every global outlet in the world, which would then make it global. It's like, gla- uh, it's like glass. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> then here's the agreement. You take these things out of our necks and you do away with our sentence and off we go. Yeah. So then now you have whatever's left of the team as rogue entity to go on whatever adventure DC sees proper next. And so certainly that will find them juxtaposed against some other baddie or some other force at some point going forward. Like some, yeah. who knows who. The wrecking crew. I'm just kidding. Someone. Uh, they, that would be a good opponent for the Suicide Squad. It's that level, right? I mean, we're, we're mixing universes here, but right, something along those lines. So while they take on those, Waller assembles Team B to go after them, and now you have that annoying thing that you and I always hate in the slasher film, which is the cop that shows up to not do anything but pursue the wrong guy and all of that crap. Mm-hmm. You have that with interesting characters because that's Suicide Squad 3 that yeah. Waller has constructed to go after the not-dead Joel Kinnaman because that's a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. I guess you still have Idris Alba to go after the Idris Alba-led remnants of Suicide Squad 2 as they tackle other entity in Suicide Squad 3. And now you have a more fertile playing field with more interesting characters that we can get behind and... If we continue with the characters from Suicide Squad 2, we're starting to b- build up a little bit of familiarity with them and we start to care a little bit more. Yeah. And you don't kill Mr. Polka Dot. <laughs> a lot of sour mash this week. Maybe There's they, lots of sour mash. Well, maybe they can bring him back. It's not, yeah, it's just, it's not far from, you know, really hitting a target for me, but um, it's not on the target. Let's but start- yeah, no, the Waller thing is. It's there. Use it. It is there. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, everything's kind of tied up as much as it can be. Uh, The weasel was still alive on the beach. That's pretty funny. I kind of would have liked to have seen how that would have fit into their mission. You know what I mean? Because he seems like something that can't be controlled because he's an animal. (laughs) Right. Well, and I guess the king shark fits that that quota, but he looked so ridiculous. He looked like a weasel on crack. He did. (laughs) But then we kind of got Peacemaker was still alive at the end. There was a kind of like a little tag uh, end credit scene. Uh, and I think he's getting like his own like TV show, if I'm not mistaken. So Oh, really? So I left. There's a post credit scene with Peacemaker. So the two, uh, Amanda Waller, the bearded guy and the blonde girl, they go to the hospital and they're like, we found him out of the rubble. Oh. And so he's like there and they're like, what do you want it to do with him? And they're like, we need to take him for the uh, next thing. So okay. they're doing some some. HBO Max thing with with him. I, I don't know oh what, what that what that is, but here's here's what I wanted to talk about with HBO Max and this Warner Brothers slate because we've talked about the varying quality of these films. Yeah, it's just most of the films this year in general. Uh, I think Warner Brothers just like I think they made that decision and it got everyone in a tizzy and we're like we're releasing everything on the streaming and then in the theaters when they're open and everyone freaked out. We did a whole shot on like what that meant for the future and mm-hmm. the, what, what it is what it is and the theaters are opening and films are coming out. But I, th- I honestly think at now at this point with this film coming out and we Snyder League, Godzilla Kong, uh, Conjuring, the Con- oh my God, Conjuring 3, everything that's come out, Space Jam 2, mm. I think they just saw these movies and are just like, 
this ain't a good year for us. Uh-huh. Let's just release them on this platform. We'll be back in 2022 with a fresh slate. I just hope Dooms Dooms the outlier in that in that in that equation. Because yeah. man, these movies like they're not like they're just so questionable in like their quality. Like there's some things that are good in them that like we've talked about in praise. Like there were some things in Godzilla Kong that were like, yeah, that's well, all right. It was good when they're smashing shit. Um, there's some okay stuff in the conjuring that we like, but for the most part, we're just like, man, miss sour match, miss, miss. Yep. What the hell's going on in this finale? Uh, too long. A revisitation of a series we both thought was good and a real, like a come to Jesus moment on maybe this isn't that good conjuring. Yeah. Right. So I, I honestly think that they would never say this in a million years, but they just said, you know what? It's not that good. Let's just release it. We'll be back next year. And Hopefully it'll be better. <laughs> so uh, let me give you some sunshine. Okay. And if your theory holds water, which I buy, mm-hmm. you might then have good news coming on the horizon for Dune. Because if you remember, that's the one that they bumped the deepest. They pushed that back, 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 because they said, we really want this to go theatrically. And maybe the dailies were like, look, we have a smash hit on our hands. And, We're not going to stream this one. And I have faith in Denny Villanueva because... Okay, so good start. Guy hasn't led me astray yet, you know what I mean? So, but like these other people, like I, I liked Gun too, but you know, I think I'm also just, I'm superhero fatigued at this point. Like I'm like, yeah. everyone else might not be and you won't admit it, but I'm, I'm kind of like, it's just, we just, we had Black Widow th- like four weeks ago, you know what I mean? Yep. We have Shang-Chi in three weeks. Yep. And then like November stacked with, you know, Eternals and Hawkeye. And then we have Spider-Man, Spider-Man. in December. Like I'm, hmm. I'm a little tired. Did you see Venom got bumped? Venom got bumped into October. So like every two weeks, like something, it used to be like, there's a Batman movie every three years. <laughs> right. Right. And that was it. And then maybe there's a blade and then, okay, we're figuring out Spider-Man. Like I, I, I love comic book stuff just as much mm-hmm. as you do, Matt, but Enough's with enough. the film, I'm, I'm, I just need a break. I mean, we'll do it on the show because it's good entertainment. But yeah, uh, the, the 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 film going people have to be getting tired of of it. You know what I mean? Especially yes. if like we're getting more of this quality and less of like the good stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's more just average than there is like great. Yep. Because I I honestly think the last great one I think you and I would be in agreeance of thinking it was a really fantastic film i think was infinity war and that was 2018 so been a while been a while yeah correct me if i'm wrong on this but after infinity war the last contemporary film that we both reviewed positively might have been possessor like that superhero just like in general like new release, yeah, you're, I think you're right. Sure as hell wasn't Mank. Yeah, and then there was a <laughs> there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of old stuff that we talked about. But I think the last tenant, I don't think tenant got as high reviews as Possessor did. No, I mean I think Possessor right? like really shook us the way we like to be shook. Yeah, and I think we really like. <laughs> That was funny. Uh, speaking of Mr. Fincher, I revisited the game. Uh, oh. it's, it's on Netflix right now. I, I hadn't seen the game in maybe about eight or ten years. Did it hold up? Uh, yeah, I really like it. Uh, it's, you know, no spoilers because I would love to do that mm-hmm. film one day. But the end, I think, is is pretty crazy. And, like, the logistics of it all are insane. But the, the ride to get there is a lot of fun. That would be fun to watch. Yeah, so, uh, Mank. You're right, Possessor. To that, and that was like an indie August 2020 release that like 
barely got a shred in the theater and it was like a VOD kind of thing. So I think you're right. Wow. And before that, I think it was Invisible Man. That was February of it. It was February uh, of 18, 19, no, 20. So it was like, yeah, we had like that one and then everything closed down and then like we did. And then we finally did Possessor, which was a holdover. Cause yeah, you're right. It wasn't Wonder Woman, wasn't Tenant, wasn't Mank, it wasn't Snyder, it wasn't Godzilla versus Kong by a long shot. I mean, you think throwing like Rabbit and some of that other stuff that uh, is older and surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, you suggested that film and you were right. That's significant. As, as crazy as this is going to sound, I mean it. Mm-hmm. Rabid was better than anything we've covered in the last eight weeks from the Warner Brothers slate. Well, this is just kind of just the varying quality of, I think, cinema and that now we're getting philosophical. Well, let's do it. I just, I think honestly, okay, we'll go back another few years. I, I love Infinity War. I think that's a terrific film. It might be my favorite of the MCU. Yes. I think the last time I think I was truly thought a film was a masterpiece was probably Fury Road. And that was 2015. So now we're going back even further. Wow, really? I think just like the slate of just cinema is just so palatable right now. It just, it gets across the finish line. They're completed movies. But like everything is just so, eh, it was okay. You know what I mean? Eh, it was, I enjoyed it. I'll never watch it again. Like, like where's that film that is like... Where's Prisoners? Where's Prisoners? Where's that? Where's like, you know, those films from the 70s that just like rocked us, like that like leave a lasting impression. Like where are those, they're not being made right now. Like every, even, but just the summer stuff, it's like, it's that's all just very entertainment and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's like, mm-hmm. I think the word I'm using is palatable. It's just okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't want just okay. I want like, take me to like the next ethereal plane with your film and like make me think and ponder things. Like this is you just you park, you enjoy, you turn it off, and you get on with your day. <laughs> well, to tie it up with where this started, which was Dune. Yeah. I'm now really interested for my own benefit and in, in the context of this conversation, sure. either support or refute against the cases made. If that's gonna be let's make it palatable or let's go ahead like the first one and take a swing and see what we can do. I, I hope it's the the latter and not the former. I would hope with the director that you hired to do that film that you let him do it. Yeah. I don't Swing think he it. walks in and says, let's make this palatable. Yeah, no. I don't believe that for a minute. I think he said, no, no, I'm going to take the reins on this. And if you don't like it, you all can go fuck yourselves and I'm out of here. In really? a Josh Trank not kind of way. I'm really digging that cast. I mean, mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet, I mean, he's a odd duck, but he's a pretty good actor. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin. Dave Batista, like it's it's got a great cast. So Stellan Skarsgård. So we'll cover it, and I'll probably have to see it twice just to completely understand it. But I hope that one is the difference maker. And then on the DC front, and then I have some questions for you. The next DC film is a big one, and it's a big one for me because it's my guy. But it's also not tied to any of this other garbage, and it's the Batman, mm-hmm. the Pattinson Batman. Mm-hmm. So that's March. 2022. So finally we have a film that's not tied to a bigger universe because it's its own thing. And that brings its own set of issues as well. Cause now there's five Batman running around, but maybe that's the one too. Maybe that's the one where they say, let's just make good movies. Let's just like make good singular stories that aren't tied to like a bigger cohesive thing. Cause that's, that's not working for you. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, I've already, I, I have my reservations as well, but I'll wait till I see it. We talked when we did 10 and about 
Robert Pattinson and the role mm-hmm. he might play in film going forward. Yeah. And as much as we forecast that, I don't think it played out with the expediency that we spoke of. Mm-hmm. However, if we want to continue that argument, his role as Batman might might play out the same way. And you mentioned another one that's a really big one too. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, Ooh. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Reminiscence is an interesting one coming soon. Mm-hmm. And then certainly her role in Dune seems to be primary lead. Yeah, she's playing Lady. Well, she's actually, playing, know what's her. Um, well, she's playing Lady Jessica, so she's uh, she's the the mother of Chalamet. So she plays a big character in the in the film. Yeah, the chick that plays Mary Jane. What the hell's her oh, name? Oh, Zendaya. Yeah. Zendaya's got a pretty yeah, good role too. She's in that but. in in that as well. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson's kind of on the cusp as well. So hmm. we'll see. The Batman's my most looking forward. Wow, great grammar. The Batman is what I'm most looking forward to all next year. So we'll see how those expectations are met. That's good. All right. All righty. Nightcap? Well, no, I have... Do a couple questions? Yeah, (laughs) a couple questions before that. Uh, What was your favorite tasting note of the Suicide Squad? Uh, God, that's tough, Jesse. I would probably have to go with the Kinnaman action bit prior to his demise. Uh, I thought that was choreographed really well i like a fight that's just fists and Mm -hmm. walls and breakage that's always fun to watch and i think that was handled just about the right level for the two forces that opposed each other mostly kenneman gets his ass kicked which you would expect because he's not as strong Mm -hmm. but he presents a a reasonable um opposition in that battle. So I'm going to go with that. And that may not even be it as I think about it. That's just off the top. Well, you like that polka dot scene too, where he, it's just like a moment though. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's good too. Okay. But that's literally seven seconds. (laughs) One, two, done. That Uh, that might be it. Well, that, that might be real telling about this film for me too. Okay. Okay. What about Um, yours? I I like that kind of one upsmanship assassination on the camp at the beginning. I thought that was really good humor to kind of lean into Gruesome death meets with like just efficient killing. It was I I really like that. I needed more of that. Uh, so that that's gonna be that's gonna be my uh, sequence right here. Oh boy, we have a king's ransom here. But what's the oh my god moment of the Suicide Squad? We've seen a lot of people get stabbed, but the way Gunn chose to shoot that in this film was really interesting. When Flag gets stabbed, we see the that's glass my, go through him. That's mine. Yeah, but you see it penetrate the heart inside him. Artistically done, yeah. Suspiria, yeah. That's the, right. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was I, I, again. I was shocked at that moment. I was. I didn't think they would kill him. I thought he'd made it this far. Yeah. See it out, and then the way. It's like instant death. You know what I mean? Like it was brutal. Yeah, and I, I felt bad for him too because he was finally coming around. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of liking this character. Dead. Dead. <laughs> uh, who's the master distiller on the Suicide Squad? Stallone. Nanonway's real good. I mean it. I'm not trying to be funny here. It's Stallone is Nanonway. That character to me in the hyperbolic one-upsmanship that this scene after scene after scene replicates and replicates in minimal dialogue with about four words that he can use friend and hand and eat mm-hmm. Does an amazing job of doing a real good group. What about that shot of him when, like, they're walking in the rain and they're all dispatching of people, and he just grabs a guy and just pulls him in half, him and there's like a lightning bolt behind him. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like, that was yeah. a, kind of a great moment. Yep. 
I'm gonna give it to Idris Elba. It was it's, it's films like this and a role like that that really makes and maybe his Bond window closed, but he'd be really good as that character. But maybe not if they wanted to do like an older-ish, like late '50s Bond. Like I know Roger Moore was older when he played, but if they wanted to lean into that, he'd be great at it. Seems to still physically be able to do it from what I saw in this film. And I love the gray. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the, the gray, the salt and pepper look, I mean, would, would suit it well. So I thought he was great in this. I mean, he's just, he brings, he brings his all to all the roles that I've ever seen him play. So really good as I'm Yep. Um, how you going to rate and grade the suicide squad? We have rock gut. Well, call single barrel and top shelf. Okay. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Rock gut. I hated it. Mm. Uh, I haven't said it in a few weeks, but I'll say it. If it wasn't for the show, I would have left. It was pretty long, too. Oh, 220. Yeah. I hated it. As much as I didn't like the first one, this one was worse for Ooh. me. Oh, man, no. I yeah. hated it. Uh, I was exhausted when it was over. I was ready to leave after the first 20 minutes. I cannot take another minute of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I am fucking over that Did character. Did you go to the theater to see this? Or yes, all? we saw it at theater. Gotcha. Uh, and mostly a full house, too. Yeah. Um, I hated it. Yeah. it I, I absolutely detested it. I fucking hated it. Okay. Terrible film. <laughs> I will never watch this movie again. There was not 10% of that film that I found enjoyable. Okay. Ugh. Rinse the taste out of your mouth with some whiskey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to be as, as harsh as that because I told the, the last one is one of the worst things oh, I, I, I've ever seen. It's terrible. And for what the things I didn't need in this was less of that. I didn't need the hot topic uh, assembly line version of that film with that colors, with that uh, uh, jiggle, uh, juggalo uh, joker. Like I didn't need that <laughs> film yeah. again. Yeah. I needed something different and this film gave it to me. I got a great analogy for this, Matt. It, it, maybe you'll think I'm being a little too kind, but I think the last Suicide Squad is like a football team going 0-16 as like the Detroit Lions or the Cleveland Browns. And then here's a team that is able to, here's a guy, (laughs) here's a team that's able to go like six and 10 and there's some improvement, but it's like not enough to like get to the playoffs. So, so to speak. So the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect, perfect uh, comparison there. So there's some things that I think they improved on. I think I'd rather watch this, but I'm also with you too. I think the fatigue has really gotten to me at this point. If it wasn't there in black widow, which was, even more infuriating of a film for me in its final uh, second to third act as this one was. Uh, I, I really started to feel it here uh, with, with, with this one. So it's just going to be like a call minus for me. Uh, I don't think it's the worst DC thing I've ever seen, but it's also just, again, palatable. It's just there. And I don't want just there. I want more and there. I love your analogy. Can I give you one? Mm-hmm. So we have some differences in our musical taste, but one thing we agree on is Van Halen. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, too much. The first Suicide Squad was Van Hagar. Okay. This Suicide Squad with Harley stealing every scene was Diamond Dave Van Halen. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> I love your your uh, tie to that 6 and 10 football team. That's so, so perfect. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it more than me too. Yeah, no, it's just, but you know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to like put it on the shelf and be like, oh, I'm watching this. 
every month. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's very few films that even fit that quota, but it's a lot to watch to rewatch this one. Yeah, you're you're right. So here we go. <laughs> this is the 2021. It was just like let's let's see what, what, what we got coming up in the weeks to come, but uh hopefully some improvements. But let's wrap this thing up with a nightcap. That's kind of, an, I guess, another disappointment of the film, too. I mean, James Gunn's really good with the Guardian soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And there were some okay songs in this, but, like, kind of for the most part, that was a bit of a miss for me, too. I kind of thought he could have really leaned into, like, that 70s and 80s era soundtrack with the vibe he was going with. It was a little bit too much new music in it for me with him at the helm. Like, he's really good at that. That's fair. Where's that Cat Stevens song, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just like those, like... Brandy, you're a fine, like all those songs that he just pulls out of Fox on the Run. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, we needed more of that. I think I would have like enjoyed the tone a little bit more. Yeah, but uh, go ahead and hit us with the nightcap. So this is a three-parter. Okay. And there's no shortage of problems we've identified with Warner Brothers in so far as the DC slate is. So really? We haven't talked about that before? <laughs> it's come up a time or two. Yeah. I'm going to give you okay. three cracks at this, Jesse. Okay. You get to helm the DC slate at Warner Brothers. You're Captain DC at, okay. at Warner Brothers. Okay. I'm going to give you three projects. All right. I'm going to give you one team concept. I'm going to give you one standalone concept. I'm going to give you one origin concept. Okay. You can go in whatever order you want. No restraints. What do you want to do to try to salvage what's left of this Edmund Fitzgerald <laughs> taking on water by the minute. Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. Um well first things first, my my as as chief executive officer of the DC slate, mm-hmm. I'm stopping everything in production and we're doing a hard reboot. Yep. So like yep. we got I need to we just gotta start clean. We're recasting everybody Everyone that's played these characters are like, we just got to start fresh. Shaking the Etsy sketch. Because the team I want to build up to that should work on paper and be fun and enjoyable is Justice League. That's the no-brainer okay. for me. Is, okay. And if you build up to that properly and do a Superman, a Flash, a Wonder Woman, a Green Lantern, and a Batman, and then put, bring them together like Avengers did, mm-hmm. then we can do it. We can do it right. There's investment there now. And I want to do my Legion of Doom concept. I want to take a villain from every one of those standalones, and they're the bad guys in that first team up. I love that. I've loved that since you presented it some weeks ago. Yes, but in order to do that, we got to start over. All so right. we're recasting everybody. <laughs> yeah, I just catch us clean. Uh, do t- do you want to do standalone first? Yeah, what do you want to do first? Or you do your team, and then we'll go to the standalone. You already said my team, actually, and yeah. you chose the guy that I would do with it. Okay. I want the Green Lantern Corps, mm. but I want the Green Lantern Corps to involve itself in all of the other colors that go along with green lantern because it opens up a lot of emotion and a lot of worlds Mm -hmm. from larflees to star sapphire to sinestro Mm -hmm. to um parallax to the black lantern and all of that it's sad this week that the director of green lantern came out and admitted that he wished he had never done the movie is his name cunningham oh martin campbell campbell there you go Came out and said he wished he had never done the film. (laughs) You know, honestly, with all of the entirety of the DC universe, I don't think that's one of the worst films they have. You can do much worse than Green Lantern, but again, that's not a great film. I'm starting with that as my team concept. Okay. It's literally, if you want to do it, Guardians. 
and I'm going to keep Gunn to do it. And I don't need Hal Jordan. I don't need any of the proper Green Lanterns. Or You want to give me Guy Gardner and um, whoever the hell else. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm even okay with John Stewart, as a matter of fact, if you want to go with uh, that version of him. Probably be played by Michael B. Jordan. He seems to take on all those roles. But anyway. He'd probably be pretty good at it. He would be, actually. Uh. So that's, that's my team concept, is I want a fresh take on the Green Lantern core because that was too easy a swing and miss. And I don't know how they screwed it up, but they sure managed to. There's my first one, the Green Lantern core. Excellent. Let's do... Let's do standalone. You do yours first. I want to make sure we're kind of on the same page with this. Want to do all my three first? No, do your standalone one next. Yeah. Oh, okay, because you did Justice League. Yeah. Okay, so my standalone, ready for this? Mm -hmm. Inspired by a tribal-like Wakandan feel. Okay. I'm going to do one that's not even ever been discussed. Okay. And I laughed when this came up, and then I looked into the Thanagarians. Okay. And I realized that Hawkman Mm. is perfect for this. That'd be good. It's Roman-esque, it's legacy, it's tribal, it is plenty of infighting in um, hereditary traits and claims to thrones. He looks ridiculous with that mask on, Mm -hmm. but it's a world, Thanagar is a world that is similar to Wakanda and allows you to not remake Black Panther, but create an environment because what that was was a world unto itself on earth wakanda was unlike any other place on earth Mm -hmm. now thanagar thanagar is not on it's a different planet but there's even an associative hawkman team around him that's rivals like okoye and shuri that i think you can use and so i'm going with hawkman and the thanagarians good choice thanks excellent uh, my standalone uh, is a character. I don't even know if it's ever been discussed in a film, but uh, it reminds me a lot of like the shadow and like all those like pulpy forties, the Sandman, the original Sandman, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Corrigan. I want the specter. It's good. Uh, he's he, you gotta be careful with him. Cause he's almost a little too powerful with like his manipulation of like space time. And he's like almost kind of like vision kind of looks like vision too, but, and he's like vision and moon Knight. But you can kind of get into like almost like a horror film with him because a lot of his antagonists come from like a demonic, hellish, Mephisto-like origin. So it could be kind of a pretty dark movie, almost Constantine, but a better version of that. I love it. Can I tell you how I want you to do it too? Yeah. yeah. We'll open up my Green Lantern film with the death of Hal Jordan. Mm. And then we'll have the post credit scene, which is his transference into the Spectre, because he takes that mantle on at one point. Yeah, Ooh, I love it. That's yeah. a good choice. Too. It would be. A, it would be fun. And that's because that's a character that's got a lot of room to grow and plenty of adventures to take on. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Nice choice. Cool. Now your origin film. <sighs> okay, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. Okay. But I think I'm ultimately going to decide on Vandal Savage. Okay. Timeless, right? Yeah. And being able to take on something that is eternal, which is life. Yeah. And all of the knowledge that's a blessing and a curse to go along with it. So it is a villain origin story, Mm -hmm. but much like, and I know we differed a bit on the Joker, but I don't think 
we differed on understanding why he came to be as evil as he was by the time it was done. Maybe how we got there we didn't like, but you see why he's fucked up. Mm -hmm. This man who we watch at some earlier version of himself take on the power of eternity, Mm anti-aging, and the vast knowledge and the trials and failures and successes of mankind only to be undone by their own greed and corruption and such, and then trying to find a way forward with that knowledge that presents a better path, I think is rife with what I was speaking about earlier. And that's grounding them in traits that we can understand the executions just poor. Yeah. So I want Vandal Savage. Great choice. Yeah. Thank you. Well, a lot of the stuff from yours is very untapped. I mean, it's can be fresh and original, uh, just spread it out. That way it's not coming out three months apart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's your other mandate as a, as a CEO of DC films. Uh, my origin story, um, I kind of kicked around like a Lex Luthor yeah. tale because he seems like a big bed that you could build a whole universe around because he's got the money to like fund like the nefarious deeds of the Legion of Doom and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I actually want to go with an origin story. And I think it's, I know, I think Nolan handled the villain, I think pretty well in, in, in his film, but think of Bane, like just origin film, take it right from nightfall, like him growing up in the prison, learning, getting strong, escaping from the prison, and then coming to Gotham to hunt Batman as a challenge. Uh, Get uh, John Valjean out of there. (laughs) We don't need any of the other Batman. And Batman probably doesn't even need to be in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I just think him growing up in that crazy environment and then becoming what he becomes... Because Schumacher didn't do the character justice, and I think Nolan got a little closer, but his film is doing a lot of other things and not just a Bane origin film. So that's what I want. I think he, he could be an interesting, because he's, he's brains and brawn, and you don't really, you either get one or the other, mm-hmm. and he's got both. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've effectively showed the brains as much as they could with that character. Well said. So Good choice. Yeah, we kind of see. And then he could show up again in another Batman film or in a Justice League as a, as a something. Uh, but... We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what's next on the slate. Like I said, the Batman's next in March, and um, after that, we'll we're just kind of like pretty hush-lipped or pretty tight-lipped on everything after I that. I guess right? James Wan. I guess there's an Aquaman two in development. I do know that. It's still the trench. It's the trench, and then I know we're getting Black Adam. Oh yeah, that's the Rock, right? And now. then I think we're getting Shazam two. So there's some stuff that hasn't been like it's not like they're killing the slate. You know what I mean? So there's stuff still coming out. Okay. Whether it's gonna be good or not is. Up for debate. No Justice League noise, though. No. Are you, are you talking like the Snyder mm-hmm. version? No, that's like, it's, it's like, that came out, everyone got all excited about it, and then like, Warner Brothers like buried it in the cemetery and like nothing since, so no word of Snyder coming back to do more or anything. And, oh, and then the Flash film. I know they're they're shooting that now. Flashpoint. The, the Flash with the yeah, Keaton uh, Batman, and I know they're doing that. So those ones are actively filming right now. But let's we'll talk. See. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Let's talk about next week. So, 2021, turning this thing along, um, uh, kind of prefacing. You know, we got some kind of big, but there was another big one in here that I think Warren's talking about, and it was it was a film that you put on your slate as uh, going to be the the top money maker. But one of the most popular actors uh, acting in Hollywood right now. We I don't think we've touched one of his films so far. Mm. So this will be great. Mm-hmm. Jungle Cruise. 
Uh, yeah. The theme park attraction adaptation, they've tried this two times before. I think our, we already have a flight and a nightcap built in on what attraction would you like to see adapted into a ride? Right. I think seems appropriate, but uh, this, this should be a lot of fun to talk about. I haven't seen it yet, so um, I'm, I'm going in. I'm going in fresh. <laughs> you gonna do it at home, or you gonna go go? I'll probably, I'll, 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 pro- I'll probably watch it at, at, at home, or yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll go to theater. We'll, we'll, we'll decide, and then, and then we're kind of queuing up. You, you mentioned you let the cat out of the bag a little bit about the film coming up in in. The, the next couple of Two weeks. weeks, I am so looking for, I'm not going to say it now because go back and dig through the clues, everyone. Yeah. I want your opinion on this thing more than anything. Cause it <sighs> seems to check so many boxes for you. Oh yes. Like serenity you, part two. If you, oh shit. If you have like a checkbox of things you need in a film, this is it. This is it. This is it. Delivered to you on a platter. So I know. yeah, let's see. We'll, 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 we'll wait till we get that. But this is going to be a lot of fun. And then, Hey, before you know it, the spookies are going to be rearing their ugly head mm-hmm. here, and it's going to be time to do some horror, as as we like to do. So until then, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you. Hit us up on Facebook or Instagram or Productions at gmail.com. We're going to get ready to cut our True Romance episode, and we got the Dick Tracy watch-along going on right now. So head, uh, head on to the Patreon. There's a lot of fun stuff uh, taking place right there. Um, but I got to get going. I'm going to go, uh, uh, look, look for a star, uh, starfish. And I hope it doesn't have appendages that eat my face off. <laughs> hope it's not a chocolate starfish. Excellent. We'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. For more Rye Smile content, go to patreon.com slash Smile Films for exclusive bonus episodes, plus feature length watch along commentaries on your favorite movies and TV show recap episodes covering the best from the small screen. For Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. The Suicide Squad is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, DC Films, Atlas Entertainment, and The Saffron Company, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. You realize this is revenge, right? Waller knows we double-crossed her, and she's getting back at us by saddling us with this douchebag. Yep. I heard he was sort of a hero down in Corto Maltese. Was that what you heard? Because not quite. What do you guys want him for? Just to save the fucking world, that's all.